Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, and as my good friend, Southstand Chum, bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy's away on his holidays, I have a new co-host this week, so it's my pleasure to introduce another Southstand Chum, our very own James Dayton lookalike, making his co-hosting debut at Orient Outlook podcast towers, it's Mr. Chris Kane. Hello. Chris, welcome to the podcast. We'll ask you the normal introduction questions for our co-hosts. So how did you come to support our mighty O's? So when I was a kid, must have been five or six, I went, uh, the club used to do summer soccer schools in Harlow. Um, so I went along to those, uh, got a few, few complimentary tickets as the club give out, uh, and I became hooked. Um, missed a few seasons when I was at school doing exams and stuff, but apart from that I've been to a lot of games over a lot of years and seen a, seen a lot of funny things and a lot of good times as well. Amazing and in that time I'm sure you've seen a lot of players. Who who are your standout Orient players today then? Uh, current At the current team, Josh Wright. I think he's, his ball playing is second to none. Um, obviously he's got a lot of motivation with, with his links to Justin and the club before so he's given that extra bit but I still think he's, even when he was here before he was class. Uh, all time, Matthew Lockwood. Who else? Absolutely. Great answer. And favourite game, I've seen you have two favourite games. So tell us about your favourite games at Orient. Yeah, so it's tough to pick in a favourite game because there's so many different different things to look at. Um, first one, Harlow Town, pre-season. Um, yeah, tough three years under he who must not be named. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just good to have a team. Although... It was still very much a work in progress at that point. Everyone, there was a feel-good factor around the club. Lots of fans turned out to Harlow as well. Uh, the other game is Plymouth at home when Andy Edwards took over. So not an obvious no, choice? No, a very strange one, um, everyone admit. Uh, Robbie Weir got sent off after about 10 seconds. Only he knows why he made the challenge he did. Uh, and then we were under the cosh for 89 minutes and the whole stadium was just loud and full of support. We lost 2-0, but it just showed what it could be with the youth players, with, with the fans, and I said the right ownership, which thankfully we have now. Yeah, we'll come on to that very, very shortly. So to finish your intro, what are your expectations this season? So following an amazing season in the National League last season, what, what do you expect this season? Yeah, last year was fantastic. However, we can't get ahead of ourselves this year. Uh, we've had a very, very tough summer. Um, and I think consolidations are good. If we get playoffs, fantastic. But I'm hope, I'm looking for sort of mid-table, build for next year. Obviously, everyone wants promotion. Let's let's not lie. But I'll be happy with mid-table. Okay, lots of home wins. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There. So that is Chris Kane. He's co-hosting tonight. And if that's not enough, we are joined or well, currently by two. Travis is, the third one is on the way and will be here very shortly. So it's my pleasure to introduce firstly a podcast veteran. It's late in Orient <laughs> Chairman, Mr Nigel Travis. So good to be here. Fantastic, great to have you here. And you're not alone, you're currently joined, or we are currently joined making his podcast debut or an Outlook podcast tower as he has been on before. He did say one word in an interview when we won the league and it's our pleasure to introduce Ian Travis. Good evening, Ian. So Ian, I'm going to ask you a question first because it's your first time on the podcast. All right. I obviously know how you got into supporting Leighton Orient, but what have your favourite games been since you started going and any favourite players for you? 
Um, well, so I've really only been going, like, consistently for the last three years, right? Um, probably the best game was either us winning the league, because it was just so exciting, like, everything just happened at once, like, the big pitch invasion, the trophy celebration, um, and, like, among all things, like, that game was pretty great, and... I think also the first game we were at, I think it was the Maidstone game three years ago when we first like became involved in the club. That was pretty incredible because everyone was going up to like my family saying like like hugging us, shaking our hand. It was just like really cool to meet all the fans. And yeah, that's those two are my favorite games. I can't really pick one. I think it's best. worth saying for your listeners, Ian's full team. Yeah. And he was a Liverpool fan. That's fair so, enough. Yeah. So, so, so he's put <laughs> yeah. up in the world. <laughs> well done Ian so we have two Travises here David Travis is on the way there's been an accident somewhere on the way to Loughton so he will be joining us very shortly so Nigel we'll kick off with some questions for you obviously a difficult summer at the club yeah I mean none of us expected it um, it was interesting we were reflecting on it last week that uh, you go into a summer planning to do things and bizarrely going to Wembley put us behind I mean the whole office came to a screeching halt because all they could focus on was Wembley. I mean, when you take 30-odd thousand fans, there's a lot of organising, a lot of arranging, a lot of tickets to deal with. And that three weeks put all our projects for the summer behind. And I've read, as everyone knows, I read everything. <laughs> and I read some criticism that we're behind on the projects. Well, that was the first halt. And then Justin was amazing. I mean, I got a call from Danny on a Monday. Um, Martin and I and the board talked about it instantly that day because we didn't know what was going to happen. Obviously, we hoped he was going to recover, but you don't spend some time on the ground without the possibility of the worst news. So we started to think about that and we kind of focused right from the start on what was going to happen. And we deliberately delayed everything. Again, so another delay. Um, we decided midweek that the trip to our house for Ross, Martin, Craig Clay and Josh Colson would go ahead. And I, for one, am very pleased we did because we learned the news together, which I have to say for all of us. And, and, and by the way, our house is kind of fanatically orient. And even though she's not here, I think it's worth me saying as you know, that my wife has been an unbelievable supporter. I mean, she encouraged me and has encouraged me again in the summer, put more money in. Good girl. Joanna may not go very often, but she helps us make the right decisions a lot. I mean, she's a lawyer and she knows just how important Lake Orient is to all of us. Um, so that was tough. Then we had this difficult situation of how much time do we spend on supporting the Edinburgh family, helping the grieving process, and we decided again, pause. And then I remember the following Sunday, we felt, well, we're gonna to have to change how we look at things a little bit. And if you remember, I recorded a video, which, that, which Ian filmed and edited, um, and I think people recognised how we were trying to think through it. I mean, most people seem to think that we, we, we communicated that. So that was really difficult. 
And then, obviously, we're getting close to the close season, uh, to the pre-season. We then had to make the decisions we did. Um, so when you add it all up, it's been a really difficult summer handling the Justin situation. I've worked for fifty years, been by far there's nothing even close to the most difficult thing I've ever done, because you're dealing with a personal situation that's public the whole time, um, and. You know, I'll, I'll say for the, I don't know how many times I've said it, Justin was a fantastic coach, but an even better individual. And Ian, tell the story of your last interaction with, <coughs> um, with Justin. So my last interaction with Justin was actually at the last game of the season. We were up in the boardroom, um, like, celebrating. And I went up because I'd been playing with Ollie um, down on the pitch, Oliver Travis, my nephew. Um, and... I came up and my belt was all like crooked because we were running around on the pitch, um, and Justin's like, "You can't walk around like that." And he he <laughs> he takes the belt and he, he reorganizes it and he starts tucking in my shirt. And he's like, "Turn around, Ian. You look you look silly like this." And it was just really funny. Um, and yeah, that was the last. But, but that's Justin. Amazing. He was yeah. so straightforward with that touch of humor, and you know everyone was part of the family. Yeah, yeah, he will be missed. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think adding to that as well, the 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 support from everyone is definitely helped me as a as a fan. I don't know if it's helped you mm. running the club. The fact that everyone said such nice things about our manager. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I won't try and list all the great to your point, Chris, all the great things that people did, but there is no doubt that um, you know many fans. I mean. Dave, what's his name, that filed. Oh, Dave Shannon. Yeah, he's, he stood out as a real class act. And Tottenham, I have to say, have been fantastic. Um, but, I mean, going to the memorial service, and you were there, weren't you? Yeah, we were lucky enough to, I mean, to, to, get, to go to that It was incredible. It was amazing. You just had to be there to see all the people come from Tottenham. I think Tottenham had numerous ex-legends and people from the club. And you had, you know, Garrett Graham, Alexander... Darren Moore, so all these other football managers turned up. It was it was like a who's who of football, but it was a lovely service, and he got a perfect send off. Never expected I'd meet Ozzy Ardulis. No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I guess you had some difficult choices to make. Was the appointment of Ross and Danny and Joby in their interim roles a pretty straightforward one across the board for you? No, we. I mean, I've been involved in recruiting people all my life, and uh, you always have to think what are the options. And we thought, no, you know, if we go outside, who could that be? Who are the internal candidates? Because in most situations, there's not only usually one, but we considered. I think Martin, you know, every time I come on here, I give a big speech about Martin. I try not to do that tonight. He just does a great job. I must say, Martin Ling in the memorial, what he said was spot Spot on. on. That can't have been easy. I was lucky enough to tell Martin that last Saturday, but... He got up there and obviously he'd worked with Justin since he was a 20-year-old and Justin was 17. And I think Martin absolutely nailed what he had to say and barely got through it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I thought he was an absolute credit to that night football club. But well, he always is. And uh, so, you know, we we talked about it and of course it was... We started talking about it when they were over. Um, and what Martin did, I think, really well is he talked to the players. Because whatever decisions you make in life you have to get by in and obviously Joby was a player but there's also other senior players Josh Colson um, 
Matt Harold, who sometimes, you know, Matt the proverbial sub, but, <laughs> but he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. Um, he uh, really does uh, have a lot of influence in the dressing room. And of course, did manage, I think, for three games at Crawley once. So, you know, we consulted. It was a fairly easy decision in the end. And, you know, we're convinced that Ross will do a good job. I know some people have said some bizarre, crazy things today. My quick answer to that, so I'll nail it in one. You know, how many people have turned up, worked in a job for a week, and their boss says, you, you know, you're out? You know, we've even got someone on the forum complaining about a dismissal, right? So, you know, let's, let, let's get over being stupid. <laughs> uh, we're here to learn from what happened yesterday. I, we all had the pleasure of being there. I think, actually, if Josh Colson's header had gone in, it would have been a very different game and we would have won it. Uh, and I'm a bit like where Chris is this year. I think we're going to end up in the top half, perhaps middle table top half, and we could challenge for, for promotion. But let's learn from yesterday. Absolutely. So we'll come on to yesterday shortly but obviously last Saturday was the season opener it was a busy Brisbane road an emotional Brisbane road I know you guys were watching it on the stream what were your thoughts of our, of our season opener yeah we watched it in Rome didn't we? yeah I mean, this is a great, great very pleasure. nice yeah uh, I thought we played great I mean it, you know go back to what Chris said I thought Josh Wright was magnificent it just I had to be Josh yeah, yeah just I mean it, it, you, you couldn't have written it could you yeah. Um, I thought the whole team played great. Um, we were really well structured. Huh? We were really well, well structured, like overall. Yeah, very well organised, and the shape was good. I think to be fair, the shape. We co- you commented a couple of times yesterday. We lost our shape a bit a couple of times, but that's what happens when you're going after a game. But against Cheltenham, our shape was I thought it was like pro. Yeah, so like, like very exciting. And really you good. know, we have this thing called a dashboard that Danny does and. You know, we beat every single metric last week because it's not only what happens on the pitch, we're trying to build a club for the future. We want to have a sustainable club, so it's important. Every beer we sell, every... We'll come on to burgers, I'm sure, later. Every piece of food... <laughs> uh, every piece of food we sell goes to making the club better, and we beat everything. I mean, it was a staggering day, and I think... I actually haven't confirmed this. I think it may have been the highest take of any game in our history. Wow. You know, apart from when you get special FA Cup payouts, but in terms of fans paying through turnstiles or at the bars or whatever, it was a great day. Fantastic. So we had a great time last week. So last week, Ian, I believe, we believe you was at the uh, training ground being put for your paces. Tell us about that and how you found that and what. Um, so earlier in the summer, I was told by my dad that I was going to be training with the goalkeepers since I'm a goalkeeper myself in America. Um, and since this year I go to high school or college, right? Yeah, high school, yeah. yeah. Um, in America, I have to just try out for varsity. So um, my dad arranged for me to train with the um, Orient keepers, like with their coaches and everything. And so my nephew Oliver and I, we went, both went together to the training ground. And we like did catching, we did all the basics, and then we caught Dean Brills and Sergeant Sam Sergeant's balls when they were kicking them, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, Reese does a good job. They've got a fantastic job. Yeah, we probably don't talk about him enough, but he's a really talented guy. And he's really nice. And and I think I realised on Friday just how good, you know, I know Dean really well. I just, I mean, the flexibility and that, and and 
athleticism of Sam is amazing. And Arthur, I think, is a, not only a terrific young man, but very talented as well. Yeah, yeah, so I think we're blessed with two two very very good young keepers at the club, yeah. and obviously we had Charlie as well last year, and I think he could definitely make his way back up the leagues. Let's hope so. Yeah. So normally at this point we would crack on with support club updates in the week that was, but we're aware that Nigel has got a business meeting after the podcast, so we're going to crack on and ask Nigel uh, some questions from social media. These so these are a mixture of the forum questions and questions off Twitter. So we'll start with Mungo who says, who is the new investor in the club that Kemp mentioned on the Orient Hour last week? Okay, so I think I made it no secret, I don't believe in secrets, uh, that we're going to need some more money. Um, I put a couple of million dollars back in myself. Uh, another one of our board put some money in. And then um, we've got several, in fact, I'm talking to like 40 people. And the new investor... Um, happens to be a good friend of mine. I won't say his name, I don't think it's fair to say it, but he's, he's an ex-Pepsi guy. He actually has some Wendy's and um, Taco Bells in the States. He actually played football um, and he's a great guy, very funny guy. Perfect person for Orion. Fantastic to hear. Um, LOFC Till We Die uh, has asked, where do you see the club in five years? Yeah, that's a good question. We saw that. Um, so, as I go around talking to investors, I talk about that a lot. And I think it's one of two ways. Um, I, think, I think the straightforward way is we keep doing what we're doing and keep doing it better. And you're pleased to say that my son David's about to turn up in a minute. We've got all these new revenue streams. Um, and the revenue streams are things like college programs, uh, soccer camps in the States, um, non-match day revenue, streaming, and and I truly believe that in a few years we'll get to at least break even, which when you consider when we bought the club from the, um, from the previous owner, uh, we don't actually know how much we don't actually know how much he lost because they lost the control of the accounts like everything else. But I suspect it was about four million in the last couple of years. So I think I think it's a good chance that this year we'll be just over a million loss and we can get down to flat. So I think we'll keep building the club, and my aim is by that time to be in League One, possibly the Championship. Um, so that's if you like the steady state. I think another one, which I'm sure will cause some comment, is you know if you find someone who's the right person to come in and join us, do you buy the training ground, not the training ground, do you buy the ground somehow and have that, and if ever we are lucky enough to be in the championship or further, we then say, can we move in Waltham Forest, redevelop where we are, but I don't want anyone to get too excited about this, I don't want people to figure out... <laughs> looking for real estate Mongols who, who, and by the way, there's a lot of them out there. When we first were looking for people when we bought the club, there was a lot of people who wanted to sign up because they thought they could grab hold of that spot of land. Yeah. I'm a fan, I'm no different from you guys. And, you know, I want Lake Orient to be as high as they can. So that comes first. But, you know, with a bit of luck, if we can get the club in the right spot, we could do 
And we talked about it on the train with some fans yesterday. Bournemouth is a very good model to look at. And then you go into how big you want a stadium or not. And we, we have no clue. I mean, you may have a better clue than us. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think, and Danny and Matt will tell me this can't be done. I'd like to believe we could do with our current stadium, make it like 10,000. But then, you know, what happens after that? So there may be permutations of what do you do with where we are to make it bigger. But I think you have to be really creative to do that. So I'm convinced in five years we'll be in a really good spot. So that's the bottom line to the answer. Great answer. So whilst Nigel was answering that question, we're delighted to say that Dave Travis has finally got here. He's beat the traffic. So welcome to Orient Outlook Podcast. Thank you very much. Dave Travis. Thank you. As we do with everyone who makes a debut in the Towers, I'm pretty sure I know how you came to support the O's. But do you want to tell us about your first game, your first memories of Orient and who your favourite players have been? Oh, that's a <clears throat> tough question because uh, my memories of Leighton Orient are a, a big blur of uh, lots and lots of different visits. Um, uh, I mostly remember going to Leighton Orient when I was very, very young. Too early to remember. In fact, we were talking on the train with some fans yesterday about uh, time I used to go with my, uh, my grandparents um, and my dad was talking about times and times when I can't even remember. Uh, so, uh, I'll tell you your first game. Yeah. This game's shredding. And you cried so much I took you home at half time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe that was about the football at the time. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, and that, funny enough, actually, the game yesterday uh, with Mansfield was. Uh, Macclesfield. Macclesfield. It was, uh, it was interesting because that actually reminded me of the old East Stand. Uh, being there and being in the, being underneath the the old stadium, and then someone was there. I remember my grandfather, and talking about said, "Oh, I used to know your grandfather and things like that." So uh, it's really instrumental. Um, favorite players. I mean, I I've been lucky enough now to know players rather than being just a fan on the sideline, and you know the the. There's one statesman for me that stands out, and it has to be Joby McEnough. I mean, he is just a pillar of inspiration in terms of what a player should be like. He's a statesman. He's just outstanding. And I think if you look to an example of players and what is an example to all, he has to be that. Great answer. Great answer. So, obviously, you're part of the board. You are director of Leighton Orient. I think you're known... Well, we know you as Mr. Streaming, <laughs> Streaming King. So obviously streaming was a bit controversial on opening day of the season from what we've seen. So do you want to give us an update mainly about how that works and how that's come on in the last well, week or two? Maybe, maybe uh, I'm Mr. Streaming for now because I, I, I'm looking forward to putting this one to bed and moving on to <laughs> other activities. My, my, I mean, my major background is uh, uh, I'm working technology. I'm a CTO of a very large technology organisation. Um, streaming is one of the activities I've pick up, picked and run, run with and want to make a very active uh, contribution to the revenues of Leighton Orient. I'm a big believer of that. I you know, currently do it for people like the BBC and Channel 4, so I know the, the realms of possibility. Um, we, we have had some challenges. The la- last year was an interesting journey because when we joined the club, we had nothing. And to say that the National League... 
you know, EFL is a completely different game. It's they have cameramen, they have technical people that understand. When we're in the National League, there was nothing. We started from zero. Um, we have obviously board members that want to watch internationally. We have fans that want to watch internationally. Last year was interesting because we had to take the National League on a journey around the rights, technology, how we do it, going to grounds which have no internet, no connectivity. We had to overcome all of those challenges. And I think it was challenging also for the staff because I come from a broadcast background. We're then expecting our staff of different competences to uh, take on. And they did extremely well. Um, and they took the club to a level to allow us to test it, try it. Some was good, some was bad. This year, the streaming is at a completely different level. But last year, we had video, pretty much, and a little bit of uh, audio back in the background. This year, we have um, six. We have video with Dave Victor's commentary, which, if you've watched it, is a massive improvement. I mean, we had to... We had to watch the video and then have to synchronise Dave Victor in the background to try and get some commentary, which was very painful. Um, we have a scoreboard. We have a clock. We actually have more than we actually have at the ground, to some degree. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's because Matt Porter doesn't want a scoreboard. Yeah, that's... We're, a... we're waiting for the comments to come from. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and then the biggest uh, thing, which is you know, an astronomical step forward, is we have replays as well. Oh, wow. Now... It's not to say that the first two uh, games haven't gone without incident. Uh, we we were let down by two of our suppliers in the first game. So, you know, what have we done this season? Not only have we got a brand new streaming platform that's completely different, we've got a brand new website, and then we've got a brand new uh, e-commerce platform for our shop. So you put all of that into combination, there's a lot of technology changes. So... We were let down by the fact that we couldn't do the audio streaming. The audio wasn't on the video on the first game. And the website had this incident with the clock. All the things, teething problems the first game. We made those changes and they were fixed for the second game. And then unbeknownst to us yesterday at 5 to 3, the website crashed. So the streaming platform was good. And uh, to say that Matt Porter and Kent Teague are uh, hard people to please is an understatement. <laughs> we got a 9.5 out of 10 because they were watching it in irrespective of the website. Matt's in Australia. Australia yeah. Right, yeah. So I, I think I feel very pleased to say we've got it to the level. It worked brilliantly yesterday. Unfortunately, when the website crashed, a lot of people were affected by that. So we'll look to try and fix that for the next game. And I'm fairly confident thereafter it's going to be fairly, very reliable. And I would encourage as many people to watch it as possible because it's all contributing towards the club and getting us to that sustainable position that we solely want it to be. Can I just make a point because so that we don't get a lot of angry people on Tuesday? Tuesday will not be streamed. Right, and there's some bizarre rule that none of us understand. There's a lot of bizarre rules. That <laughs> <laughs> the, the Caribou Cup we can't show. We're not even sure we can see it ourselves privately. So I don't want anyone. But a podcast, no game streamed on Tuesday. And you know, there, there's going to be a lot of peculiar instances like that where we can't. You know, certain things we can't do. Certain things we might just do anyway. Um, and then in other instances, 
it's whether we got the rights to. Um, you know, last year we had a lot of experience in negotiating the rights to do the streaming. Um, unfortunately, we can't do Tuesday, but you know, we will endeavour to try and do. If we're successful and we go on, go on in that uh, competition, you know, we will try and do more streaming and in other tournaments as well. It's not a given we can do the FA Cup, for example, but we will work. Last year, we were lucky enough to do well, some the FAs. The FA were actually much easier to deal with than the National yeah, League, weren't for, they? for sure. It's crazy. Um, so. Actually, there's been some funny stories along the way. I don't know if David knows, remembers it all, but when we were at uh, Sully Hole, which, of course, was a very famous day. Amazing day. Yeah, you, there was another amazing story that has never been told about Mark. Oh, yeah, we had to... Um, we we rock up at this uh, at the ground and uh, I get a phone call and Danny's going, Dave, there's nowhere to do the filming, and uh, so we're like looking around going, no, all the seats are sold. There is nowhere to do the filming, you know, because normally you just take a few seats. Um, the BT had a big spot, didn't they? So one of the guys who um, I've worked with in the past and been helping us out found a load of scaffold poles on the ground. He said. I used to be a scaffolder back in the time and he erected a big old scaffold tower to allow us to stream it. There's been all sorts of uh, trials and tribulations which I won't bore everybody with but it has been an exceedingly challenging time to get us to this position. But and, and I will never forget, just over two years ago, we were in Greece on all on vacation together and we had a meeting with the National League to say we want to do all this streaming and it was like talking to, the, to Mars. <laughs> I mean, they really thought. I think we we were, you know, these big big guys from London, you know, full of it. And uh, well, I've had to. I went to international league conferences to present to all of the guys in the national league, um, and, and all of the owners and directors. Um, it was interesting because I think I was way below the average age by about. 30 or 40 years um, uh, and uh, yeah that was an interesting experience and you know it's gone on some of them have taken what the blueprint we left them with and we left the door open to help them where necessary I don't know how far they'll take it forward but we'll see I think it's only a good thing for non-league football isn't it if, if people like yourself are willing to yeah, willing yeah. to help them and well I mean the big thing is isn't it for these football clubs and you only have to look at Bury and Bolton now you just got to help each other out to try and make it sustainable. And if we come up with a model that helps us, we should be sharing that with other clubs because I was only listening to Radio Minica and it's pretty bleak for those guys right now. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, being in that position where we were, yeah. if we're creative, we've got to share it. Well, I think one of the things that's really good about football, we talked about, you know, how supportive everyone was with Justin, but football clubs are generally very helpful of each other. And, you know, just a few examples. Derby County went out of their way right in the early days of streaming to take us through everything that they did. Liverpool, I've talked about before, have been fantastic. Um, and we have a wonderful relationship with them. And most clubs are very exceedingly helpful. So let's hope it continues. Yeah, fingers crossed. So we covered it at the beginning of the pod, but obviously you've just got here. Spoke about how it was a difficult summer um, and we've covered... Justin, but what were your lasting memories being being Justin? I mean, I don't want to repeat what everybody else says, but that guy was just so inspirational. I mean, he was a role model to us all. Um, The way he went up, carried himself, the way he behaved, the way he worked with the players, the honesty, actually, 
about the way he went about his business was incredible. And, uh, you know, obviously we were privy to some of the things that are going on in the background. And I remember I was up a tree when I first found out the, you know, the final situation, because yeah, we were obviously very hopeful that Justin may pull through and turn it around and, you know, it's just devastating. But, you know, several tears to my eyes because, I mean, what a great guy, what a family guy. And, um, you know, again, another role model for us all to uh, to follow. And, you know, he'll be solely missed and always missed. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll come back on to listen to questions. So we're asking Nigel questions. So we'll jump back into it. So Red Wolf, 1881. I'm not sure if this is your remit or not, asks about ball-winning midfielders and why hasn't one been signed? I wouldn't expect an answer from the chairman, but I know you never shy away from a no, question. No, I don't. I mean, jeez. Yeah. I mean, you can't find a better ball-winning midfield player than Craig Clay. <laughs> um, and I think he's done it over three years. I kind of understand how they are talking about it because you play different shapes and you need different <coughs> people. Um, I think, you know, Martin continues to look at the players that we've got and perhaps I'm shying away from this a bit and he will bring in the people that he and Ross think are uh, are important but you know we've got a lot of hope a lot of the midfield players are a bit younger one of them certainly injured at the moment but you know the transfer window for us is open for another few weeks I was kind of shocked last week we didn't get any championship clubs coming in with big offers on the you know on the backs of the Rotherham bids for Marvin. They didn't happen. We're pleased it didn't happen. We don't need the money. Well, we're very pleased it's now shut. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you know we'll continue to look at what we need, and you know I'm very aware of what the fans think because I read all the same stuff. And as a fan, you should read all the stuff. Yeah. Uh- Okay, uh, you've kind of touched on this already, I think. Um, but Orient Fan TV asks, what would uh, you class as a good season this year, being the first year back in the EFL? Uh, and has a decision been made about a stand being named after Justin? Okay, so firstly, good season, in our view, is that we're competitive. I think, Chris, you nailed it with your own thoughts earlier on, you know, sort of middle table, top half. And if we can get into the promotion... By the way, I want to make this clear. The players and Martin, and Ross and everyone else are incented for promotion. In other words, they earn big bonuses if, if, if they go up. And uh, so, you know, the money is there to make the performance happen. So I want that to be very clear because I live in America and America believes that you incent people for performance. I think another thing this year, if we could get our loss back to about a million, That'd be fantastic. Uh, I'd like to see our season tickets over four and a half thousand. I'd like to see the fans continue to be fully engaged. And by the way, thank you. You guys do a wonderful job supporting that engagement because you give us vehicles to talk. I think streaming, <laughs> push your numbers on streaming you want to see because I think this is another group of fans. Subscribers or numbers? No, oh, yeah. subscribers. Yeah, so I mean, if we can get to... Um, it all depends on whether it's audio passes, video passes, annual passes. You know, if you would put it all in the rounds, you're probably looking around 750. Um, and we're really trending that direction. Um, and it's really good, interesting hearing about international fans. I mean, 
the, that was the funny thing about yesterday when we were on the train, we were talking to some of the fans. When we were at the uh, uh, the trophy final Wembley and you were in the fan park and this guy comes over and he says, I'd like to introduce myself, I'm head of the Icelandic fan club. And uh, you're like, Danny, are you aware we've got an Icelandic fan club? And he said, no. I said, how many members you got in your Icelandic? We've got 31 in Reykjavik. And he said, we're listening to it on the, uh, and we're now there taking the audio streaming, uh, the, the streaming, the video streaming. And uh, it's just impressive to see how this is Amazing. growing and developing. So here's a first for the podcast, right? I will make a trip in the next 12 months to see the Icelandic podcast group in Reykjavik. Amazing, amazing. So you heard it here first. So everyone listening in Iceland, <laughs> Nigel is on his way within the next 12 months. Sure, um, sure the players would like that as a pre-season tour. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. The players have an end-of-season celebration, a pre-season tour. Few, few of them get trips to Boston. Football we'll always we'll see how many of them want to go in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours of sunlight a day. And in terms of the stand being made after the job. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that I think Kent said this two weeks ago is under active consideration. Um, as I said to you twice earlier, we're a bit behind with all our other projects, but, um, you know, we have to find a sponsor. I think that will happen. We're very inclined towards it, but I don't want to say there's a decision yet because we are very democratic as a board. We make our decisions together. Great answer. Great answer. Uh, a lot of speculation or talk on the forum, as you've probably seen, about the ground. So come on, UOs has asked us, any chance in the next five years we'll buy the ground or build a new ground? Well, I think I answered that earlier, that it depends yeah, for the most I mean, part. I put a lot of money in myself. I'm probably not in the situation of being able to put that kind of money in, but we may find investors. But I think our view is that if we bring people in, they want us. They want we ideally want them to be part of this group. You know, it was interesting. I met a guy who I think has actually got more than enough money to buy the club if he wanted to, and I was sitting there talking to him, and you know, he said, "By the way." you guys aren't going away, are you? Because I think the general view is we've done a pretty good job running the club. So I think it's just bringing in more investment. And, and obviously, if we can get to a situation... People don't quite get this. If we can get to break even, and ideally more, we don't have to keep putting money in. And fine, there's always going to be a little bit that probably needs to go in. But it becomes much more... Easy, easier to handle, and, and we then can carry on just running it. I mean, I mean, I I never expected to own a football club. I never wanted to own Lake Norian. Someone had to do it though, as we've said before. But I love it. This is the best retirement job you could possibly have. And I think it's fair to say, you know, we the you know clubs, the start, the ground is one thing, but there's a long list in our plan of things we would like to do. It's all about investment, timing, other priorities, getting the balance. The sustainability of the club will come by bringing more investment in because then that spreads the risk for the club. You're not solely, you know, who knows what happens. And we know from Justin's situation, anything can happen. So spreading the financial risk is a big important thing. Focusing on that long list, you know, a big stand or, you know, redoing the stadium would be wonderful. You could do it in partnership with a hotel. 
but who's going to find the 20, 30, 40 million quid required to get it? But then on the flip side, that brings in a load of revenue that we don't currently have because you just wouldn't do it on that. So that's all in the planning. I think the biggest strength of our board is the fact that we're not necessarily, I mean, we've got really good football competence, but the majority of us are businessmen from other backgrounds. And I think that is what I think makes us slightly different to the norm. And I think that will, that diversity, that mix, the experience, competence will really help us in the long run and, you know, hopefully. It was interesting talking to Macclesfield yesterday. You know, they operate like most clubs where they suddenly find they've got a hole and they say, Steve, got some money. I mean, that's how most football clubs exist. We do plans going out three years because that's the way we think. I mean... He spends all his life doing an investment analysis on digital stuff in his job. Kent is a little bit of a financial genius. Marshall is as well. And by the way, I just want to call out, the shop would not have been redone without that yeah, hard graft of Marshall. You know, we got an incredible board. I'm, I'm, I'm probably as proud of the board as I am of the players and the coaches. I mean, think of the skills. You know, I've run a lot of companies. Leave that aside. He, he told you what he's done. Ken, natural entrepreneur, genius at Microsoft, the only person in football who's got this wonderful gift of walking around and connecting. Head of fan engagement. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Porter, who has to be, if I was out in the recruitment, probably one of the leading um, business people in the sports world, in yeah. the world. Yeah, for sure. Rich Emmett. I think Rich came with me once, didn't he, on this? Yes, Rich yeah. has been on the pod before, yeah. Yeah. Now, Rich, you know, didn't know anything about soccer, as he would say, two and a bit years ago, but he asked all the difficult questions. And I'm, you asked Martin Link, who his favourite director is, Rich, because he asked him the question that no one else will ask, because, you know, we all say, well, you can't ask that question because you look stupid. Rich asked it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and Rich's biggest competence, of course, is... Uh, you know, he's a lawyer by background. So, you know, it's great having that extra different dynamic on the board of, you know, all those reams of paperwork we can just palm, palm, palm off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic group. We, we, we really enjoy it. Doesn't mean we'd have some arguments, but it's all organised arguments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, think the, I think the work as well that Marshall did when you first took over to, yeah. to get everything sorted is phenomenal. Um, Apple Wumble... I think that's pronounced right, uh, on the forum said, did we get any bids for James Alabi? And if so, why didn't they happen? That's, okay. Uh, is him staying directly stopping us from getting another striker? Okay. So, firstly, I don't make decisions. It's all made by Martin and Ross with consultation with Danny and Joby now. And James was on the list. He... <coughs> I'm not sure where we found this out. You found this out that he went training in Dubai. Didn't yeah, I saw it um, on his Instagram. He yeah. was yeah. training in Dubai. Um, He's obviously been paid well enough. So. Yeah, and uh, it goes without saying because we've all talked about it, James is a great guy. So he, he did some special training. He started the preseason well. And yes, there was another club um, who was willing to take, give him a two year contract. Um, there was no transfer fee involved, but. Because he was on the transfer list, we were well, we were willing to let him go and make up any salary difference. And I talked to him as recently as Friday about this. 
he felt he had to stay. You know, Justin made that decision. He wanted to show that he could do better than what Justin thought. He's highly motivated to succeed. Uh, and I think we all hope he will succeed. Now, is he standing in the way of another striker? Well, if you do the numbers game, yes. Um, but we waited all summer to bring in the guy we wanted. And it's uh, and Louis, I asked him how you pronounce it. Oh, it's it. Louis. Louis? Yeah. I asked him on Friday. <laughs> Louis came in. He's obviously played a couple of small pots. Um, so we're very happy with the strike force we have. And it's... You know, when you think about it, there's a lot of variety there. It's not only the, the, the three you talk about, but then you've got Matt Harold with his skills that are well-known. Obviously, James, who, by the way, I thought did make a difference yesterday when he came on. And then you've got Rule Satorio as well. So, you know, I feel personally, but it's not my decision, very good about the strike force. Good stuff. Good stuff. Bets are late and never. This is how do you and the board... I uh, feel you can best support Ross, Danny and Joby in the early days of our return to League 2. Yeah, I think basically just by letting them get on with their jobs. Um, I mean, it's interesting, I had a really good comment. Oh, Joby, you know, we all admire him immensely, as David said. But I got to know Joby quite well because he came to our house last year. And everything that David said, what a, what a phenomenal person he is. Um, I asked him, how's was it like coaching? He admitted it's different. Uh, he's obviously had been struggling with the injury. He's been I, working very hard. To, yeah. Really hard. Yeah. And the players really respect him. So, you know, we're going to let them get on with it. Um, they were clearly disappointed with yesterday. It was kind of a bizarre game because watching the replay, as I said to you before we started, you know, I, I would have put money at halftime and we would have won that. Um, I'm not allowed to bet, but I didn't. So, um, <laughs> well, I think that goal was, you know, fortuitous with the wind yeah. from where I was sitting, that's for sure. And I was speaking to some of the fans on the other side, and they, you know, they, I said, how much do you think the wind helped that? What looked like a fantastic goal from where I was sitting, but the wind just carried it into that top corner. I thought it was actually going out, but then yeah. the wind just pushed it right in. It was a wind gust. So, so the, wind answer, the, the answer is, we're two games in, we've got more points than this time last year. Yeah. It's a learning experience. And in my business, we measure all our businesses daily. If you looked at all the businesses I'm involved in and look at their comps, that's sales every day, they go up and down the whole time. And some days I'd commit suicide, other days I'd be drunk all day. You've just got to keep an even keel, be as supportive as you can. And, you know, Ross is going to get plenty of help. What was really encouraging yesterday, if you ask me why we finally let Steve Davis go, his failure to consult. Yeah, we were both talking about it. You know, when we were really down and you know they were getting on top of us, it was really reassuring to see Ross consulting with Danny and Joby. Because, I mean, you, you, I think too often you see managers and they just try and go at it their own. And I think it takes real leadership, true leadership, to rely on the people around you because you're only as good as the people you work with. Yeah, of course. And... Um, I think that that will they're a really strong bunch and they're going to be just fine and they'll work it out and there's going to be trials and tribulations but they will be okay great stuff Perfect. so the last set of listening yeah. questions uh, from Prestige Worldwide uh, what are you doing for the environment as a club aha hey, could you say thank you to Prestige Worldwide for the question because <laughs> uh, we did 
I, I mean, I could have answered some of that myself, but I've got Danny Macklin to actually answer it. Um, and the, the, the first thing I'd say is, running, as I have for many years, still German Dunkin' Brands, it's a question I'm fairly familiar with. Uh, and just for the record, I believe that young people like Ian sitting here at 14 are very worried about the environment, and he constantly criticises what we do, so we get a lot of direct feedback. But we, we're just working very hard on energy savings right now. Two years ago, our electricity bill, I think, was 180000 That's got to come down. That's good for the environment. Yeah. We've got reusable cups. We've got no plastic straws. I'm now reading. Recycling waste legally. And next season, we'll be driving to reduce packaging further. So we take it very seriously. Anyone got any really great I suggestions? We'd like them. I mean, some of these things are also on the long list of strategic um, concepts. You know, there's the immediate environmental, and then there's the sort of the more renewable energies and things. We have a very big stand, you know, stadium. Can we put solar panels on? Things like that. They're all things that we're going to be looking at. The problem is with solar panels back in the day, if you've got them going for seven days a week, but you're only using the ground like every other week, where do you store all the energy? That's changing. And they're some of the things that I'll probably look at once we get through some of these hurdles. Because I think there's a big belief that, you know, we can get that 180 bill to zero. Another big tick in the moving yeah. towards the break-even position. And we're saving the environment. So um, I think there's lots of concepts there that are going to really help us. And I think we've got the right people to make yeah. those changes. I mean, I believe in it personally. I'm on my third Tesla. So, uh, <laughs> I mean... It's incredible. I think the last question from the forum that I wasn't going to ask, but you'd already seen it. Are you a tax exile? Okay. Okay. I wasn't going to ask you, but Nigel had already you, seen you it. You just lit the fuse on this one. <laughs> okay. So, so, all right. So, all right. So, I said I was going to get fired up about this one <coughs> before we started. Okay. So, the first thing is I hate tax cheats. You know, we people who are fortunate like I am to have reasonable amount of money, uh, have a responsibility to everyone else. I am left of centre if anyone hasn't gathered it. Um, I could, because we have a home in Florida, move to Florida where there's no income tax. We've chosen to stay in one of the highest states in the whole of the US, which is Massachusetts, which is also very a state that takes the environment very seriously. Um, so I believe in paying high taxes. I pay high taxes in both the UK and the US. I think it's an obligation that we all have. Like I think it's an obligation for people like me to support Lake Norwich. I know that's your last question there. Can I just make a commercial plug? Of course you can. I was told by Danny, we've got to push the kit online on the website, assuming the website's up, but- It is back up. It is back up. <laughs> But they've made a lot of changes to the website, so if you find the shop, and I know it was a bit warm, read all that, and, you know, again, Marshall did a great job, but he recognises we could have probably done another 20% last week if it wasn't warm. So go online, order the kit, and for those overseas, we're looking to bring down the cost of shipping overseas, so... It's, I think, very important. And if, if, I think there's more stock coming in as well for yeah. uh, some of the things that are, you know, some of the training wear has been phenomenally popular. I went yeah. in the shop to get some and I couldn't get it in my size, so now I'm on the list with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, someone also commented on the pricing. 
fine. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the things everyone's going to get used to in this country as a result of Brexit prices going to go up. Um, and I we worked today went to the New Balance shop. We went to the Adidas shop, and I personally couldn't believe the prices. I mean, we looked at new shoes, shoes for you. What was it? One hundred and eighty. Wow, expensive taste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So far, Mr. MacLean, you are more than welcome on the podcast anytime if you want to come and plug any more commercial opportunities for the O. So we're going to move on with the sports club updates in the week that was and then get Nigel and David and Ian's thoughts on yesterday before Nigel and co have to shoot off. So sports club updates, just the one trip to tell you about. This is from Mansfield on Tuesday the 20th of August. It leaves the sports club at 2pm. It kicks off at 7.45. The fares for this one are £34 for adults. £31 for concessions and under 16s at £17. And if you want to book for this one, you can do it on the Supporters Club on any match day, pre or post match, or by calling the travel line on 07722135970. And I think that is the first Tuesday night streamed game, isn't it? We hope so. Yeah. Brilliant. It's all subject to TV rights again, but yes, we hope so. So we want everyone to go. The supporters club support them because they do great things and give us money and thank you to the supporters club for the latest 25 grand but if you can't make it because you're working you'll be able to see it in glorious technical very cool yeah as nigel just touched on uh the supporters club did indeed uh give a donation to the club for twenty-five thousand pounds uh taking the total donations up to 1.1 million since its formation in 1978 yeah, so thank you very much to David Dodd, Karen, all the all the staff that work there tirelessly. What a great job David does! Unbelievable, dedicated, absolutely. Forty-two dedicated. years. Yeah. yeah. By the way, years, yeah. yeah, the misfortune yesterday to be at the table it was David and his wife Martin, Danny, and everyone else was a Travis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so yeah, the the money that's been donated is going to go towards uh, upgrading the TV system. Uh, hot water in the east stand, toilets, and improvements to the home changing room. Yeah, so the TV system is uh, the next project on the list, which I'm working on, which is um, uh, stadium TV. So we're hoping to have instant video available in all the concourses uh, throughout the ground, uh, which means that we don't want to encourage people to leave in the 40th minute to go and get a beer, but there is the opportunity that people can... Uh, get drinks and refreshments and stay in touch with the game on the pitch um, and there'll be other things that will come with that, some other um, uh, perks and so um, uh, we're, we're looking somewhere in mid-season to implement that. Oh, fantastic and there's always one and Ed Morgan in the South Stand, you know who you are, 40th minute every game without fail down well, to the South Stand bar. He might be down there in the 40th, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I think it's worth saying though, um, Steve, that one of the reasons we're keen, and it may be in your script, to have the fan representative evenings, and we've got a date for the first meeting, is based on what we saw yesterday on the train, we were talking about all this, and, and the fans were giving us suggestions we never thought of. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we were talking about coaching horses, what they do, how could that be translated into what happens at the ground. You know, so many different things. And then, you know, what could we, could we create spaces to create almost more like pub style, like gastro pub style environments? You know, who knows? I think also what was interesting is, is that they were encouraging us to, the, the blend of an Orient fan is changing, you know, and 
you have to tailor the the experience for everyone. So I think um, we're taking that on board, and I think the the feedback we'll get through this new input's going to be critical for the future of our club. Fantastic, amazing, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, trust update uh, now. Uh, so new players Connor Wilkinson and Lee Angol uh, visited the young participants on the Leighton Orient Trust summer football camp. Uh, the young people attending had the opportunity to ask questions to the players about their careers, uh, their training schedules and how they're enjoying their time at Orient. So then the Trust College Study Programme pre-season started this week with a friendly fixture against Brentford Community Sports Trust and the Trust students won the game 5-3. So well done to everyone involved with that. And before we do the week that was, we mentioned sponsorship last week and the podcast is delighted to announce uh, our sponsors for the season will be AJF Plastering. So AJF Plastering are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work and specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So for more information and the best plastering and rendering prices around, email ajfplastering at outlook.com or visit AJF Plastering on Facebook, or Big Ads, LOFC, on Twitter. So we'll move on quickly to the week that was. We'll get your guys' thoughts on Macclesfield, and then we'll let you go, because we know you're very busy men. So the week that was in Coulson, Monday the 5th of August, some dates for your diaries as the fixtures were announced for our group games in the newly titled Leasing.com Trophy. So we have Southland United at home on Tuesday the 3rd of September, AFC Wimbledon away on the Tuesday the 8th of October, and the Brighton and Hove Albion under-23s at home on Tuesday the 5th of November. I'm not even going to ask you about streaming for those ones because I'm sure <laughs> it's its own um, set of questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we'll be streaming some of those. <laughs> no, I mean, tickets for them are very, very cheap at, at £7 for an adult, I believe. So, get along. Yeah, yeah I think those games are important because they give us a chance to give other members of the squad... A run out. By the way, I'm not making decisions. Ross may have a different view. He may yeah. feel he's got to put the first team out to win the competition. I mean, yeah, but, but I think it is an opportunity. Absolutely. So Tuesday, the 6th of August, an Orient XI were in action and a friendly away to Potter's Town by FC. Um, and Potter's Bar took the lead in the third minute from a free kick. They doubled their lead in the 18th minute through Josh Hutchinson, his second goal of the game. Uh, the O's did pull a goal back in the 71st minute through Eddie Yemi which is how the game finished. So 2-1 defeat, but unlucky for the young O's there. Yep. Uh, Tahui Wednesday, 7th of August. Nothing to report. Very rare. No, and Very rare Thursday, occasion. the 8th of August, the podcast duo made our live radio show hosting debut on Phoenix FM as we interviewed Charlie Edinburgh on the Orient Hour. And if you aren't able to listen, then you can listen again on iTunes and all other podcast apps. The bearded legend himself said arguably the most outstanding interview he's ever been involved in. He said Kent was absolutely spot on. Charlie is first class. To be talking about the loss of a parent at most ages is hard, but Charlie does it so eloquently and passionately. It's so impressive and inspiring. I must say, Charlie was spot on. It was a pleasure um, to meet that young man on Thursday. Have you two got any views on Charlie, how he's handled? Gone, Dave. Amazing. I mean, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. If I put myself in his shoes, I mean, it's not even very worth even comparing. You'd be cheering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as supporters, he's come across. And, and, oh, and the way unreal. he's dedicated creating the foundation and, you know, that's such an important 
important piece. And, yeah, I actually thought, I was shocked to realise that all these places don't... Didn't you know, have yeah. defibrillators. Mm. No, it's, it's incredible. You thought it was, I thought it was a given. Yeah. Me too. In America, they're everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. We can learn a lot from America, I think. So. Well, but I think some, and some not. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's fair to not. say they are everywhere, but I actually looked it up out of interest. Only 14 states mandate it. I mean, I, Char- Charlie is going to not only do things in this country, he's going to do things for the world because this is so important. Think how, how many people can be saved. Um, it's, so, one, it's one of the biggest killers, actually, I think. Pretty confident. Kudos to kudos, Charlie. And I think also um, um, thanks to Tottenham yesterday for being a very good show for Justin Amazing. as well. Yeah, the the video they put up is I think on going doing the rounds on Twitter yeah, as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so moving on, Mooney Friday, 9th of August, uh, the club announced that the first football for a fiver game uh, will be taking place when Walsall visit the Bro Group Stadium on the 12th of October. Uh, these games always sell out fast. Get a move on, book your ticket. If you can't use it, speak to the club. I'm sure they'll be able to exchange it. So yeah, get so as many agree. people in shouting for the O's as possible. And that's important because again, yesterday we had uh, we picked up someone else who um, was uh, a big Arsenal fan. Started coming to Leighton Orient because of the football for a fiver, and now they're attending more Leighton Orient games than they are than the Arsenal. And they live underneath Highbury pretty much. So yeah. uh, you know. They love the family atmosphere, the fact the interaction with the players. So we've got to encourage that because that's only going to help build attendances. Yeah, exactly the same with the guy who sits behind us. His brother came to football for a fiver, was an Arsenal season ticket holder, and now the brother comes to every game season ticket and the son. So that's a great, great way yeah. to, yeah, to get new fans in. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on in to Saturday, the 10th of August, in the main event, Macclesfield away. So as always on the Thursday evening, we asked you how you thought the O's would get on in this match via Twitter, and after 243 votes in 24 hours, here's how you voted. So 62% thought Orient would win the game, 29% thought it would be a draw, and 9% thought Orient would lose the game. So thank you for all of your votes. And at 2pm, the team was announced. Yeah, uh, we had Dean Brill in goal, uh, Sam Ling, Marvin Ekpetita, Josh Coulson, Danny, ha- Danny Happy, and James Brophy at the back, Craig Clay, Josh Wright. Jay, uh, Jordan Maguire drew Lee Angle and Connor Wilkinson up front with the subs Sam Sargent Joe Widdison back from injury <coughs> Miles Judd Dale Gorman Louis Dennis Matt Harold and James Alabi so it's the same starting 11 as last week with the only change being Willowson back into the bench in place of Mr Satoru for me as expected I think good to see Brill okay to play after his concussion last week and good to see Willowson back involved even though obviously not fit enough to start the game yeah I think after last Saturday the team picks itself I'm sure you guys would agree as well. So you had a pretty dramatic um, time getting to the game, I understand. <laughs> yeah, we, well, <laughs> plan long story. It was trains and automobiles for sure. Yeah, Dave, <laughs> put it this way, we were trying to go from Guildford to Watford Junction, the M25 did its usual, but David had a brainstorm of using the Heathrow Express and we got to Heathrow Express with two minutes to spare. We we jumped in the taxi and got to Houston with one minute to spare and we got to the game with 15 minutes to spare so we got there <laughs> and then on the way back we had do 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 signal failure and we, we did a detour around the West Midlands a lot of apologies 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like you're streaming. Yeah. If it happens after a win, it's yeah, all good. Yeah, if it happens yeah. after a defeat, but, by the way, to... it was so long. By the time we got back, we forgot we lost. <laughs> <laughs> so the match kicked off with Yo's looking to build on last week's season opening win against Cheltenham and make it two wins from the opening two league games for the first time since 2015. So obviously, we've only seen brief glimpses of it. First half hour not much seemed to happen from what we could see a bit back and forth do you know what I thought we had um, some of the play was fantastic especially in the first half you know after the first 10 minutes I thought the link up play the way we passed the ball I think it was phenomenal what you wouldn't have seen is the wind was absolutely incredible um, in the first half we were playing into the wind and it was so strong the ball you know, Dean can kick the ball a long long way and it was not even making it past the halfway line and uh, just going straight up in the air so I think that was really challenging we came out in the second half and the wind changed the direction so that, that didn't help um, but I thought we had some good parts playing and I thought the goal was you know fortune was on their side because they, you know, they they said we played well, and they weren't anywhere near us in the first half. Yeah, so until fair. the goal went in, we was then the tide changed. So you talked about the goal. So in the first first minute, uh, Mackles would open the scoring. Fantastic goal, but obviously we we weren't there. So cross comes in. Danny Happy heads the ball out. It just goes past Brophy. Comes out to Theo Archibald from about thirty yards out, just outside the area. Looks up and puts one into the top corner. Now on TV, that looks like a fantastic goal. But I think you guys are pointing out from where you were. The win more than played a part in that goal. I, no, thought, it, I thought it was going right out, um, yeah. and then at the last second it bent right into the top bin, and um, Ollie and I were like, "Wow, that wasn't going in except for the wind." It was like a big wind gust or something. It was like, Whoa. but right give in. credit to the guy; he had yeah. a good shot. Um, and to be fair, we probably didn't do enough of that in the second half. Yeah, and I know the wind changed, but we probably should have got more shots off in the second half. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we go goal down. What was the rest of the half like? Did you feel were we going to come back into it, or were we still struggling? Do you know the conditions? <laughs> leading into the leading into the, like the fortieth minute, I was kind of not so nervous. I was thinking oh, we're going to pull this back. We're a good link up play, and also especially after the way we played in the first match, you're thinking this is yeah you know, we're going to be okay here. And then second half, I don't know quite what happened, but it, we weren't as strong. I think to be very honest. <clears throat> I think we, we, we had good points to play. The other team had a real, real, real desire to win. And they, they really fought hard. So they were coming off the back of a defeat, weren't they, in their first game yeah. to a very, very late goal. I think yeah. they felt a bit hard done by. So we got in at half-time, 1-0. Attendance announced at 2,167. I don't think the away number's been confirmed, but quite a busy little packed end. I would have thought probably 350, 400. Yeah, the, ter- the terrace that fall when there was people in seats as well. So kudos to those you guys got up there, got back as well. Yeah, <laughs> which sounded like hard work. So second half started, nothing really to talk about until the 68th minute, and Macclesfield made it two 0 So we had a corner, we got counter attacked. I think there's a few appeals. Or looking back, it could have been offside, but I think that's kind of been discounted from what people have said. I'm sure people will start freezing screens we, uh, later on. And... Well, we did actually watch the replay on the stream during, the, and it was definitely onside. Right, okay. I mean, Martin was all over the iPad at that point, trying to work out what happened, and it was onside. We so, got caught, didn't we, a couple of times on the break? And if, if I mean, I watched the highlights, which thank God we get them on Sunday now. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. And 
we got caught a few times, but that's what happens. When you go two down, you have to change, go forward, and to be honest, they probably could have had a couple of no- other goals towards the end if you watch the highlights. Dean yeah. stopped a good, um, good yeah, he So Dean doing well, but 2-0. As I say, their man runs through, slots it past Brill. Yeah, good, good finish. I think we'll be, dis- think we'll be disappointed with it. I think Coulson turns around. I don't know if he's having a go at the Lino or one of his other defenders, but he seemed to be annoyed. It was, um, it was a niggly match. There was certainly um, some calling around with the referee, um, which didn't help, and I think that distracted us to some degree by the opposition. They, they were trying to antagonise us into being distracted, and I think it worked. Yeah. Um, and that didn't help. Um, but the positive is, uh, you know, it could have gone either way at any point. It's just that the break, I think, they they were punished. They punished us massively on the break, and maybe we lost our shape slightly at the back. Um, well, I think we thought it was offside. They stopped, and yeah. then only one. Um, Josh Colson was left running, and he was no match to the defenders. Too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it could have been. It could have easily been four 0 as well. Because yeah. I mean, if it hadn't been for Brophy, I mean, the pace that he's got is incredible. Yeah, he's, he got he's pace. Or fantastic. even one more with Brill. Brill yeah. stopped a good one, and late in the game. Um, yeah, so we found ourselves 2-0 down. Leanne got headed over the bar from a Josh Wright free kick in the 74th minute and Josh Coulson came off uh, in the 75th minute. I think Ross said after um, he was unwell, so we wish Josh all the best. And Matt Harold came on for him. And in the 81st minute, James Alabi came on for Leanne And two minutes later, Macclesfield wrapped up the victory as they swung in a corner. I think Conor Wilkinson was the forward who missed the header. Um, and their man, Fia Fazel, beat Danny Happy to the ball. 3-0. Very unlike us. I thought that goal, uh, from what we've seen over the last totally. year or two, very uncharacteristic defending, I would say. I watched it like four times this afternoon. And I bet that doesn't happen again this year. You'd hope not. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, and it's so. interesting. We watched <clears> them on Friday doing what's called overloading, where you have more attackers than defenders. And I thought the defenders were brilliant. And mm, excellent. This was set, set play. So... I think it just goes along with the the whole like message of the game. Like we like like lost our shape at the end of the game, and I think that was just a sum up of it all. So like you said, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm, Full definitely. time whistle win after five minutes of additional time, as we fell to a disappointing final defeat in our first away game back in the football league. So I'm aware that you've guys got to go fairly soon. Do you want to give us your views on the game then before we do our views? I think you've kind of. I think I'll give him my view. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say I'd like to pick out one player I thought played exceptionally well was um, Samling. I think mm-hmm. he, down the right he had he was made such an impact. He was always in the right position. Um, worked his work rate was incredible, and as you know, I think Sam there was back at the best point that he's been with us since he's come back. And uh, you know, as long as he can stay fit, I think he will going to go on. Uh, and improve to be even better. Um, obviously, the challenge is we're now adjusting from National League football to League Two, which is just a different. I, don't, I think we got the, we got the players for it. It's just a different style of football. It's not lump it over the top so much. We can play it. I think maybe we just need to believe that we can play because I think the players we got they can play the best football. So yeah, lots of. I think we'll be okay. Nigel, your views on? Yeah, I mean. It, it, it was interesting reading the ratings on the forum. Uh, they certainly wouldn't agree with David, but I thought 
Sam played well as well. I actually said to him afterwards, I, I said, I, you know, you've played really two excellent games. And so, anyway, that's our view. doesn't mean we're right. Um, I think Ross summed it up. There's a little bit of lacking of intensity, um, which I'm sure is going to be corrected. And knowing the players, and a lot of them really well, you know, they don't need Ross to sit down and tell them what went wrong, even though we've got every analytical tool under the sun. Yeah. Because Joe is brilliant, and it was fascinating on Saturday watching Friday. him analyse every oh. time it broke down in this practice. You know, Joe's there with his iPad, showing people, and I think there's a lot of learning that's going to take place. But the players will analyse it for themselves, and I think on Tuesday we'll come out and be up for the game. Um, We've got two Tuesday nights at Plymouth, haven't we? Yes. It's, it's interesting, yes. but I think we'll be up for it. And, you know. Depends who plays, I guess. It's, it's a bad thing to say it's one of those days. It's one of those days. So you're completely keeping calm. No need to panic. You just want to assure our fans. It's two games in. This was never going to be a walkover. Just keep behind Ross. And it will all be good. If we win on Saturday, we'll be challenging for promotion. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you could look at it a different way. We've got more points at this point in the season than we did last season. Yeah. Uh, and there's only a few. There's only a few um, teams that have got uh, two wins. So, and the team we beat, we beat last week, won four one this week. So you know. It's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a. Well, look at the National League last year. I mean, that was so tight. So I don't think we, there's no need to panic. That's for it sure. It will be interesting to see Tuesday night, which of course none of us will see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I think he's a bit um, upset about that <laughs> because um, Plymouth should be one of those teams right up there. So it's gonna be. I mean, but they only beat Colchester one nothing. So I think it's gonna be a fairly even league again. Yes. I think so. Half to call, I think Bradford drew yesterday and everyone thought they would do well. Yeah. Plymouth have won their first two games. Exeter have won their first two games. It seems like a very Salford open division. Salford lost 2-0 to Crawley, believe it or not. So, yeah, so very open. I think my views, I thought this would be a lot more difficult than what I think most fans were expecting. I think Todd Campbell's done a good job over there in the last six months. doesn't sound like there were too many chances in the first half hour, but I thought their strike was great. But obviously you guys have seen it go into the wind. So on another day, sails over the bar and we sit here not even talking about it, but that's the one that goes in. But only second game this season. You know, we've spoken about the summer and the upheaval and we all know things will take time to sort, but I think we'll be fine and I have the utmost confidence in in the management team that the results will follow. You know, it's a funny old game this time last week. We're sitting here going, fantastic. You know, Ross doing a great job. <laughs> And a week later... He's still doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Embleton, you are doing more than a great job. Uh, Chris, your views on yesterday? Yeah, uh, it's too early in the season to really be making judgments on players. They're going to make mistakes. They're not. I don't think they're fully up to up to speed as yet. Yes, you've got pre-season, but teams don't always go helpful ever in pre-season. You've got other teams sitting off you and just playing the ball around, as we saw at Dartford. Um, Macclesfield was going to be tough. Every game is going to be tough. I mean, we do not need to panic. No, we've got forty-four games. If we win forty-four games, they won't be thinking of this one, will they? So, no. I you made a good point. They really did go for it. I mean, they went helpful. Other to use yeah. your phrase. I mean, they did. They didn't miss a challenge all game. Well, I mean, that was the you know the second ball argument. They won more second balls than us, and uh, 
when I was said that they had more desire to win, that was a nice way of saying that we didn't have quite the intensity level that they did. Yeah, yeah. So, I think sure. the big difference between League Two and the National League is teams in the National League could sit off you, stick eleven men behind the ball, yeah, and then break off. Whereas League Two, it's more of an even. I think even you, playing field. you can get any striker if you can get away yeah. and get in front of one on one with a goalkeeper. More time, nine times out of ten, yeah. he's going to put that goal away. I think a stat though for the second week running, we had the highest amount of possession for a League Two club. So on Saturday against Cheltenham, we had sixty-eight percent possession, top of League Two. And yesterday we had 60% possession. Yeah. So again, that's good. the top amount of possession out of any League 2 club in their match. So yeah, even, even, even I think even if you look in the territory where we were the ball yeah. was, it was always in attacking their, their box. So um, yeah, I think we're definitely a The heat map progress. will be very imbalanced. So Joe and Ross and Danny and Joby will all be sitting down looking at those stats and like 50,000 more. <laughs> um, and they'll figure it out. Absolutely, absolutely. So those were our views. Lots of your views coming on social media. Just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them. If you want to cut into any of these um, tweets, opinions, feel free. You're more yeah. than welcome to. Boatsy says, very frustrating today. Reality check in terms of going forward in defensively. Poor goals to concede. And we will need to learn from today quickly. Yeah, uh, Ollie Sonfeld uh, says, it's pretty simple. Brophy and Ling can't play in a 5-3-2 formation. Switch to four four two and bring in Widdison and Judd. Play Brophy and Dennis on the wings. Matty LOFC Evans says, cue the meltdown from some of our fans questioning Ross and the squad. Only the second game of the season. We are not going to walk League 2. It is a tough division. Tactically, we got it wrong today, but we just need to regroup and focus on Plymouth next. Don't panic. Yeah, uh, Les LK52. Uh, one of the problems with five at the back is you need proper wing backs, and I don't feel we have. Still think we are better suited to four four two, but it's one game. Let's not judge too early. And El Cuado said, "I really don't think the formation benefits any striker. We've just been absolutely done over by a team widely regarded as most likely to be relegated. First bump in the road for our new management team, but let's not overreact." Uh, at George underscore LOFC, we are definitely not as good as what we think we are. Tommy Atkinson six says, "I never thought it would be an easy season by no means, but losing heavily to an outfit that weren't very good at all last season does concern me." Really hoping we use a negative to improve in games to come. I will say teams can turn it around in the summer. So obviously we finished mid-table in the National League 13th and we won the league after. There's nothing to say Macclesfield might not be challenging or might not be mid-table or might not be as bad as what some people It was interesting when we were uh, there and there was a few fans that shouted over and Sol, you deserve this win. So I mean, clearly the fans think that they were moved, the tide was with them. Yeah. So you know they must have seen good free, good yeah. things that led them to believe that they deserve to win games. So maybe that's what we were witnessing. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. At David Sears three losing three nil to the relegation favourites isn't good enough. Reality bites. Best Nuka JP says don't panic just yet. It's early days to turn things around. Uh, at Pandemonium eighteen eighty one a wake up call for those that thought we were double jumping. Keep your feet on the ground. Remember, we have stepped up and be happy with consolidation. Dan Alton, 2590, says, Early reality check that might have been needed. Only time will tell if lessons are learned, but not going to get two down. But it's a bad result, no question about that. Yeah, uh, Richie J. Bourne, big wake-up call. Macclesfield, one of the weakest teams in the league and a team you should be picking up points against. Early days, but poor, poor result. Paul Understokes, 39, says, Reality check for everyone who thought we'd find a step up easy. Macclesfield are nowhere near the best team we'll face this season. And while I expect us to improve, getting beaten comprehensively should 
be a wake-up call. At Dax Duda, uh, no need to have a meltdown, but I think Embleton needs to give the boys a right talking to. Some of the players didn't seem like they wanted it. On the other hand, losing will be a good learning curve, and it's part of the process, and I'm sure we will bounce back. I guess when you lose, as long as you lose it as a learning curve, it will be good. So Nigel and co have to go. Nigel, I'll just ask, and David and Ian, what are your messages for Leighton Orient fans after today? Okay, keep supporting hard, keep cheering. Uh, you know, we're going to lose a few games this year. Uh, we're going to win a lot more than we lose, I think. So stay encouraged. I'm very positive. And thank you very much for all your support. Thank you very much for what everyone did during the summer in the difficult <coughs> times. And our goal is, you know, you go back a couple of places occasionally, but the club's going completely in the right direction. And when are you back in the UK? I'm back uh, a month tomorrow. I'll be at Exeter and home to crew. Fantastic. David, any thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I, I just want to encourage everybody to remain positive. Um, there's a lot to cheer about. We're, we're back in League Two. Um, you know, we're going to lose some. We're going to win some. It's a tough league, and I think that's, um, you know, I think when, when, when we're at home, the biggest message I want to say is I want to hear the voices loud and clear and, you know, let's make the home ground our fortress. If we can win all our home game, games, there's not so much to worry about away, so let's try and put a lot of energy in, you know, we, we sit there, we just want it as loud as possible. Um, Obviously, international fans, and I'm going to say this, you know, encourage you to watch the streaming for numerous reasons. One, you get to see it, and I think it's really good quality. And two, you help contribute towards the club. And I think that's really important if you're a fan, if everyone can contribute, that's just only going to help sustainability. Um, and uh, let's not panic and keep supporting the players and get behind the management team. Fantastic. Ian, any... Uh... Any views coming out of your first podcast appearance? Um, really, just come on, you O's. Um, that's really fantastic. fantastic. So, Nigel, David, Ian, thank you for coming. Sorry, Alex. So, Nigel, Dave, and Ian have now departed, but the wonderful Chris Kane is still here as we'll continue reading your tweets towards the end of this episode. So, at Orient Fan TV. Says, I think some fans need to lower their expectations for this season. We'll finish around about mid-table. I know we'd all like to finish higher up or go straight up this season, but a home will be very important. So if we make Brisbane Road a fortress, we'll be fine. Yeah, similar to what Dave Dave Travis just said on the way out. Uh, at Orient Viking, uh, need to change formation. We do not create enough chances in a 5-3-2 and just do not look threatening except for set pieces. Yeah, Magic underscore Johnson would have rested most against Plymouth. But they need to get down and out and use the game to practice playing with each other, especially tacking-wise, so we look lost going forward. Our defence will get us through games long-term, but need to sort out going forward sharpish. Maybe a bit harsh there. I thought we looked right last week for the most part. I thought Angle looked quite good. Yeah, we were, I thought we were slightly wasteful in front of goal, but that will come. Bond didn't score in his first five or six games when he first joined and then good shout yeah and then he went mad so (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed Uh, at LOFC Chaz 4-4-2 next game with Marvin Coulson centre halves we'll probably start Dennis over Wilkinson who put in no effort at all wow at Lennon Force is the sooner Willowson is in the defence 
the better. So, of course, for Wedderson to come back in, although I think quite I a few think, people said Brophy yeah. done quite well yesterday, yeah. but Wedderson's probably is more suited to playing a left back than Brophy. Yeah, I think Brophy's better with the with the five at the back because a wing back up and but, down more. Yeah. Uh, at David Barrett, six. We were okay up until the first goal. Bad defending from Marvin and Brophy, but a great strike. Uh, after that, we were poor going forward, although a fan of 5 3 2. I do think we need decent wingers to get around packed defences. Ted talks Oring. It's a huge gap in defence need to be sorted out fast. First goal was superb, but the other two could have been avoided. We have to see how we react on Tuesday. At Dave M1812, balloon well and truly burst. It sounds like we played well, but must turn that into chances. Game changers didn't. Mistakes will get punished at this level. Ross and Co and fans must keep their nerve. We will do better. Yeah, Essex Biz says, although I did expect us to win, to win maybe some of forgetting how competitive this league is. Today shows that we won't have it our own way this season. And neither will Salford. So Salford also lost 2-0. With key players to come back from injury, no need to be alarmed at this early stage. On to the next one. Always the voice of reason is John. <laughs> uh, at Gorillas 1985, still early days yet, but I do feel either either Wilkinson or Angol need to score either in League Cup or next week to get their confidence up. Be interesting on Tuesday if Ross Embleton sticks or plays the squad players. Hashtag keep the faith with Ross Embleton. Yeah, interesting. Be interesting to see what Ross does on Tuesday. So only one team tweeted us, said this is a learning curve. 3-0 was a flattering scoreline, but to be frank, the players will learn from it and it will make us stronger. A lot of changes in the summer and players that need to learn to play together, but we are only two games in, a long way to go, and we will win more then we lose. Yeah, at Stuart 1973, second ball or final ball wasn't good enough today against the poor side. But these things happen and it's how we react, which last season we always did in the right way. Everyone will be disappointed and point fingers, but we move on. Opinions only and there is no right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Tim Scales 94 says, Macclesfield worked harder than us. Reaffirm my belief that we should have signed a more attacking fullback in the summer because Ling is not suited to a 5-3-2. I thought Brophy played okay. Susceptible to the counter on numerous occasions, and Walkerson needs to improve if he wants to start. A few people um, not impressed with Walkerson yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think Walkerson, as I, I say, I thought he'd done all right last Saturday, but obviously not being there yesterday. It'd be interesting to see how Walkerson does it in this game. Yeah, of it might just be a case of confidence. Yeah, moving up to a new level is always difficult. Absolutely. Uh, at Stassi Stassi said, Macclesfield have only lost three of the last 12 games, so Campbell has improved them a lot. Not sure they can be described as relegation favourites with that form, yeah. but relegation favourites is because they were bottom of the pile for the majority of last year, so yeah, you can't read much into that. Good tweet, and the final word this week comes from the bearded legend himself sailing the seven seas somewhere. So it's Super O, 1881, says we may have lost today, but it's one game in isolation. I believe Justin had the same outlook and attitude, win, lose or draw, and I'm going to take that positive attitude forward. Mr Levy, you legend. Always a pleasure. And I think the first tweet we've ever read out from Paul because he's always normally sitting yeah. by my side. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets we've read out. So you can tweet us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. Yes, moving into the Prediction League update. Only one correct pred- prediction for this week, thank goodness. Uh, Timothy <laughs> James, CI2, C12, I'm not sure, uh, was the only person to correctly correctly predict a 3-0 defeat I'll have to ask you why send in your send in your response please uh, and we'll update you on the first draft of the prediction label on next week's episode he emailed us after to apologise for getting it correctly 
Um, but I guess well done, Tim Clark. We must also say to finish off Saturday, a massive well done and a huge credit to Tottenham Hotspur, who gave Justin Edinburgh a well-deserved and emotional send-off before their Premier League opener at home to Aston Villa and also had Justin's ex-colleagues on the pitch at half-time talking about their memories of Justin. So I think as we've touched upon, there's a video that Spurs put out after the game on Saturday, which is a Justin montage, which is fantastic. And just from everyone uh, from us at Out or into Outlook Podcast Towers, Spurs, classy club. Yeah, Well definitely. done. Yeah, um, I went on the show last week, but Cheltenham, fantastic effort from you guys. Anyone that's sent in a tweet or posted a photo of him, a memory... Thanks. Simple. Simple. Thank you. Yeah. Never forgotten. No, definitely not. So moving on into today, Sunday, the 11th of August. And believe it or not, Howard Gould, the Leighton Orient Trust liaison officer, turned 60 years old today. When I told Chris, Chris couldn't believe it. There's been a lot of tweets saying, are you sure he's 60? He is definitely 60. So from us to you, H, a very happy birthday. Yeah, I'll, I'll pop into the trust on Monday, Howard. Bring your passport and uh, we'll prove, we'll prove <laughs> that. Um, the ladies as well were in uh, friendly action today as they faced West Ham United and they won the game 4-0 thanks to two goals from Brian Grant and a goal each for Cheryl Anderson and Jasmine August. Well done ladies, it's always nice to beat the Hammers. Amazing. So, uh, the, let's get the men's pre-season friendly going and, and do them as well. Brilliant, so well done to the ladies there, always good to beat the Hammers as Chris said. So at one hour... 29 minutes let's wrap up this bad boy so fantasy football dream team update for you so the Premier League has now kicked off and therefore so has the Orient Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League which is on fantasy.premierleague.com and our Dream Team League which is on dreamteam.com so make sure you join in the fun and we'll update you on the top of the leagues next week so moving on into positives and negatives of the week Chris you want to have yeah, the positives I'll of the week? go for the positives um Good to see Dean Brill and Joe Woodson back in the squad following their injuries. Absolutely. Obviously with Brillo last week. Could have been could have been quite nasty if it was concussion and Widdison I thought was very solid during pre season, so it's nice to nice to have him back. I think with the goals as well, I think Brill probably didn't have a chance on all three of them. I think the first one just flies in top bins and I think Sol Campbell was quoted as saying no keeper would be saving those. And the second is a not an easy finish but a simple finish again yeah. Brill no chance and the third header from close range so I don't think Brill was at fault for any of those and Willowson yeah great to have him back yeah Brill Brill's going to always get criticism from all corners as a goalkeeper that's part and parcel with the job um, the away support as well kudos to you as I said earlier that went up to Macclesfield well done for putting up with getting back as, uh, as Nigel and Dave and the Travis family said it was a uh, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So, well done, guys. Yeah, well done, everyone there. So, negatives, we only got two as well to balance out the positives. So, firstly, losing our first league game of the season, I think it was always going to happen. Yeah, but it's a negative, but can be seen as a positive. Absolutely. So, you don't get ahead of yourselves. Yeah. As, uh, which is going to happen. Absolutely. And the second negative, new strikers yet to score. We're sure the goals are coming, but they're not in there yet. And once they do, we'll turn that into a positive as well. So although some negatives, easy to turn those ones into yeah. positives. Yeah, as I said, I think I've said it to you off off recording, Macaulay Bond didn't score for his first six or seven yeah. games. And, Good point. And then went and scored one in every two. All they need is one off their backside and... Away you go. Away, yes. Away you go. So, hero of the week. So, so 
this person uh, was on the Orient Owl show on Thursday uh, with Steve and Paul before Paul decided to go off sailing around the world. <laughs> Lucky man, Paul. Um, so, hero of the week is a young man. His outlook on life is so positive despite all the, the negativity that's that's been surrounded it. Um, Kent Teague has also described this man as class. He did a fantastic interview on Football Focus on Saturday at lunchtime as well. So, hero of the week is Charlie Edinburgh. Well done, Charlie. Um, you are doing the impossible job and we can't, we can't support you enough. Charlie's also done a Premier League dream team as well uh, with donations to the JE3 Foundation. It's a tenner. That should be a money for, for a night, so put that in there and win an O-Sign shirt, potentially. Yeah, so great shout there from Chris. So, Charlie, you are our hero of the week. So, next week's fixtures in and a busy week coming up for the O's. It's two fixtures. So, on Tuesday... The 13th of August, we travel to Plymouth Argyle in the first round of the Carabao Cup. And it's our first visit back to Plymouth since Ball by Gate and the St. Valentine's Day Massacre where Gavin Massey ripped them a new one and Liam Kelly almost killed a poor defenceless child of 18. Yeah. So Plymouth doing very well. We've touched upon them. They are top of League Two, even though there's only two games in. They beat Colchester 1-0 on Saturday. Their new boss, Ryan Lowe, seems to be doing well. be interesting to see whether they put out of their first team or not and whether we do or not. So if you're going to this one, it is a mission. Have a safe journey, and why not tweet us on your way to the ground at the match, or hopefully on your victorious journey home. I'm definitely not going to this one. It's my eight-year wedding anniversary. It's my bronze anniversary. I think Sarah would absolutely kill me if I told her I was going to Plymouth. Yeah, uh, it's not exactly the most romantic place to go either, <laughs> is it? I mean, if it was Weymouth or somewhere, you might get away with it, but definitely not Plymouth. Uh, and then Saturday the 17th of August, uh, we're back at home in the league to Stevenage, who are bottom of the table at the moment. Uh, hopefully, Mr Scott Cuthbert will hey. make an appearance at Brisbane Road. Scotty C. Be nice if he has that, that one mare of the season in that game. And fingers crossed they wear that horrific away kit that they've, that they've got. And we can all have a point and a laugh. <laughs> so yeah, they have lost their first two games of the season. So, good time to be playing them. They conceded a very late goal um, at home to Exeter. <clears throat> so, two defeats for them. So, if you see us in or around the ground, come and say hello. Or even better, why not give us an oi, oi. So, before we wrap up, don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or Big Ads LFC on Twitter or email ajfplastering at outlook.com for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yeah, so that's it. My debut's over. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah. As, <laughs> as it says here, episode 188 is now a wrap. Uh, quiet at the O's during the week. Um, unfortunate defeat to Macclesfield, uh, in which many fans thought the game was a three-pointer. Uh, football's never about what you think. I'm sure we ruined a few people's accumulators as well, which <laughs> is quite nice. Um but onwards and upwards, as we say, keep calm, chill out, relax, and we will get to where we want to be at the end of the season. Yeah, there's absolutely no need to panic, and Ross and the management team have all of our backing. So let's get behind them, reward the boys on to wins this week. And then this time, next week, there'll be a completely different outlook. Uh, yeah, so thanks to all of our guests. So thank you to Nigel Travis, thank you to David Travis, thank you to Ian Travis for coming on tonight. We hope you've enjoyed it a bit longer than normal. 
but full of insights. So we'll be back with episode 189 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, please uh, please can you subscribe, give the podcast a review, the one with five stars. Hmm. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow, or if you're listening on SoundCloud, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have them as podcasts as soon as we upload them. Yeah, so if you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them, or if they've got a a smart speaker as they're known these days go to their front room shout at their front speaker play Orient Out the podcast and the latest podcast will come on for them so don't forget to pass the pod it's very important if you do one thing this week make sure you pass the pod and we do have a limited amount of mugs left at Orient Out the podcast towers they're only £5 so we can hand them over to you at any home game or you can pay the postage on them if you like for £3 but they are limited once they're gone they are gone. So, Mr. Kane, it's been a pleasure. Well yeah, done. Thank you very much. On your Thanks for having me. It's podcast been... co-hosting debut. It can't have been easy sitting there talking to the chairman and the director. <laughs> no, you thrown me in at the deep end. Um, Paul's got very big shoes to fill, so hopefully I've done half half a job of what he can do. So, no, it's been a busy week, so we hope you've enjoyed it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Cheerio.